Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Welcome to another episode of Play by Players. I am your host, Bobby Boswell. Today, we are joined by a household name in Major League Soccer and for the U.S. men's national team. He has been dominating midfields for over 250 professional games across all competitions, representing the Seattle Sounders, as well as over 30 games for the boys in red, white, and blue. He is a two-time MLS Cup champion, two-time CONCACAF Gold Cup champion, recent member of the first ever MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League, an MLS All-Star, He's got a ton of other championships we're going to talk about during this podcast. Please welcome to the podcast, Christian Roldan. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to chatting about uh, how I got here and, um, you know, my upbringing. All right. Well, before we get into that, just tell us uh, tell us how you're doing. I know you had a surgery, um, you know, and, and U.S. soccer fans are uh, really following along. I know uh, Sounders fans are as well, but uh, with the World Cup looming, um, you know, tell us how you're doing. That'll that'll be the question people will get most angry about if I don't ask that uh, to lead this thing off. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I had bi- bilateral athletic pubalgia surgery. Um, it's uh, it's not necessarily an old school hernia, but uh, it's basically just a nerve that was uh, at a 90 degree angle, but. Don't need to talk about the specifics. Um, I'm doing well. I am uh, running. Uh, I am at 72% at the moment, already kicking a ball. So uh, three weeks in, and I'm already looking forward to, um, to to getting back to full fitness. I like to hear that. I know there's excitement uh, around uh, that news, so uh, keep it going. We're all rooting for you there. Um, well, that's that's. Uh, we talked a little bit about the World Cup there. We're, that's the future. Let's talk about the past as we hinted at at the opening. Um, you're a California guy. You're born in the city of Angels, specifically. I think you're born in Artesia. Sorry if I said that wrong, but you're really a, a Pico guy, a Pico Rivera. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the rolled on household as a youngster. Yeah, Pico through and through. Uh, you know, our, P- Pico just doesn't have a hospital. You know, otherwise I would be born there. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. But but my household was great, man. We, uh, you know, I, I come from. Um, you know, a place where, you know, my high school was 99% Hispanics. So, uh, we kind of grew up in, in that, in, in that type of environment, uh, a lot of first generation, um, you know, teammates, uh, friends, uh, and, and then obviously me being a first generation, um, it, it, it's pretty special, but having, having my brothers along me, uh, helping, helping guide me and, and also being able to compete against them uh, was, was something that, um, you know, I attest my, my future and, you know, the, the shoes that I'm in currently today, uh, to them, uh, because if we didn't compete against each other, uh, I don't think we'd, we'd be in the, the shoes that we're in today. Yeah. And you, you have an older brother and a younger brother. A lot of people are familiar, uh, really with both. I feel like they've gotten some, some, some decent love and, we're going to talk a little bit about your family as we go along. What you didn't mention about Pico uh, was that you were walking around at a young age stealing people's plastic bags. Um, for those that aren't aware, uh, there was an amazing Adidas commercial. I, 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 you know, I 
I'll be honest, I didn't even realize that was you. I remember the commercial vividly. Uh, but when I was preparing for this, I was like, there's no way that's him. Um, can you tell people just kind of how that that role came about? Uh, I think you were nine years old or, or a pretty young guy in that commercial. But, um, you know, creating a soccer ball out of bags and, and showing, the, you know, showing that you had the skills, whether it's a soccer ball or a homemade ball. Yeah, I was about nine years old. Uh, you know, a, a producers, a production company came over to to our tournament and they were like, hey, we're bringing a camera crew out here. It's basically a tryout for a commercial. If you guys would like to try out for this commercial, come, come on over. There were about 110 kids and I swear I was so tired. I did not want to go. And I told my dad and I was crying and I said, no, I'm not going to get it. It's It's going to be worthless it's you know we're gonna waste our time over there and my dad dragged me out there man and we went out there you know with, with 110 kids you know they they recorded us juggling the ball um you know i didn't you know i wasn't i wasn't great at it but you know i i, I did okay and my dad again forced me to be like look i'm already wearing adidas shingars like i deserve the part he basically told me to go tell the producers that and I think that probably helped my, my situation. And, you know, I think they called back 10, 10 kids and they narrowed it down slowly. Uh, and then, you know, I ended up getting the part. Uh, and it was, it was something I'll remember for the rest of my life. I mean, you know, something, something that happens at nine years old, it obviously brings a lot of pressure um, into, into your life. But, you know, it, it, was, it was just an incredible uh, journey, I think, and, and seeing the production side of things, you know, it was, it, it took 12 hours to film a one minute commercial and I was exhausted after that day. And I remember, um, you know, picking up plastic bags from absolutely everywhere, doing takes, um, you know, constantly like doing one little like five second clip doing it 12 times and i mean yeah. it was just rinse and repeat and you know as i reflect i think it kind of it kind of you know was was an example of of what we do for a living now and that's rinse and repeat you know how we train and how we eat and take care of our body so uh it was it was an unbelievable experience for sure yeah, and we'll we'll put a link into the uh, into the post on that so viewers can see um, a young Christian uh, doing his thing. Uh, you talked about your dad there. Uh, it sounds like he was used to having to uh, to help push you along. I know, um, you know, and and some of the stories I've read and in your recent post, you talked about your your father and your grandfather bribing you uh, to try to score more goals. Uh, I think the important element of that is that soccer seems to be a really big connector in your family. Your parents were both from Central America, uh, your mom from El Salvador, your dad from Guatemala. I hope I have that right. Um, you know, and that's very important later in the pod, but it seems like soccer, like I said, it, it's an, it's a connector. It's an important thing in your family. Did you feel that, that pressure early on to, uh, you know, play the game and, and to carry on the legacy that your family, you know, I know that there were other players in your family uh, back, back in, in Central America. Yeah. On my mom's side, we had a couple of professionals in El Salvador. Um, but no, man, I didn't really feel that pressure. Uh, I mean, I was just a, a little kid just trying to, um, 
you know, stay motivated and, 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 you know, enjoy the sport as long as I could. Um, you know, I, I think having, you know, uh, Central American blood has definitely helped me and opened my eyes, um, both on the field and off the field, you know, having that, that, uh, hard work mentality, um, you know, seeing my parents come here with nothing and, um, you know, creating a, a, a beautiful life and a beautiful family for, for us, uh, certainly helped, helped my case. Um, and then, you know, going over there and, and enjoying those experiences, those vacations, playing on dirt fields over there. Um, you know, those, those are the experiences that, that I'll never forget, um, and, and enjoy, uh, and, and, you know, to this day, I love going back there and, uh, it's part of the reason it, you know, why I'm here. And, and it's a great part of my story. Yeah. And, and you talk about family and your roots. Um, I also know, you know, with Pico, you've, you've always kind of kept that as an important part of you. We're going to dive into that a little more. Um, but you did something really cool recently. Uh, you know, your story is a lot of it's on the field, but a lot of what I love about it is off the field. Can you talk about um, what the initiative was that you did uh, I think it was earlier this year in April where you gave back to the community. Yeah. Uh, along with us soccer, we created a, a mini pitch, um, in, in one of our, our local parks at Pico Rivera basically gives a safe place to play, uh, for these kids. Um, it has lights. It's basically like a futsal court. Uh, it's really cool. And I was just there, uh, about a month ago and, uh, it was, it was even greater in person. It was seeing, seeing all the kids, playing you know i didn't have that type of space when i was younger and 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 you know in, inspired to to become a professional athlete and so now you know having a place like that where kids can can go out there and get better each and every day uh have fun and, and it be safe you know with with lights and 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 at a at a great park um you know it, it's 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 something that i think our family has always dreamed of, of giving back to the community and now that we're in the position that we are in t today, um, you know, we were able, we were able to do so. And, uh, it was a collaborative team effort, you know, from the city and, and, and our family, but, um, you know, just, just happy that it, it finally got done. It was in the works for like five, six years. And, um, you know, it, it, it's really, really fun. And then hopefully we can see a couple more rolled ons out there. There you go. Well, I know, um, I know you talked about not having that type of facility. What you did have was uh, Union Independiente, which was your your club team. Um, a lot of people have heard my – I've voiced my opinion on guys – well, I'm getting ahead of it. I'm talking about high school soccer. But you decided to not go the DA Academy route, the developmental academy. I know that – I believe Chivas was still ex in existence then with their academy, Chivas USA. And then you obviously have the Galaxy Academy – why did you decide to stay with Union Independiente if you were getting those calls to maybe join those other clubs? Yeah, it was a combination of a lot of things, really. Um, you know, if you played for an academy, you, you, you couldn't play high school soccer. And that was part of the reason, reasoning um, that, you know, I, I was pretty loyal to my high school and, and, and my club team. Uh, because I had a lot of good friends there and I felt like we had really good teams, but you know, when it, when it comes down to resources, 
um, a, a lot of a lot of the kids that that were in that, that club team, you know, didn't come from, uh, you know, a, a good household and you know a financial financially good place, and so we wouldn't go to huge tournaments. And we were a really good team, and it's really unfortunate that you know sometimes in, in life you need a little bit of money to 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 get somewhere. Um, but I was lo- loyal to those guys, and you know, in the in the end, it it it, it worked out. In hindsight, you know, it, it it was great, but you know, it could have gone south for sure. Uh, but I wouldn't change that story because because, or I wouldn't change anything about my youth because everything landed the way it, it, it should have or could have. And, you know, the, the memories that I, that I gained from, from those experiences is something that I think I still carry to this day. Yeah. And you guys were good. You, you know, from what I could find, I know y'all did well in the surf cup, which um, for those that don't know, that's a, that's a really big um, tournament in, in the U S and they, they draw people from all over. And I know you won a few state titles with that group, um, which, and, you know, I talk about this all the time. Over half the guys we got on the podcast seem to have come from the state of California. It's just a hotbed uh, for soccer, so uh, it, it creates guys like yourself that are great players. So very, uh, very cool. Um, I love the fact that you didn't play in the DA Academy. Nothing against the DA Academy. It's just I think high school is so important, and high school soccer is so important. I'm even a big believer that guys should go to college. Um, I understand that the world has changed, but what can you, you know, we're going to dive into El Rancho high school here. What can you talk about what it's high school soccer do for you? Um, you know, whether that was just in loving the game even more than you already did. Um, you know, what do you do? What did you take away from, from high school uh, participation? Yeah, for me, it was a social aspect of it, you know, you know, representing, uh, uh, you know, a city, you know, we were the only high school in the city. So we were really representing the entire city. Uh, and, and I think that was I, our idea of, of trying to um, put El Rancho on the map and, you know, being inspired because I watched my older brother play there and play all four years there. Um, and, and I saw, you know, the heartbreak of them, you know, getting to the semifinals and, and me being like a, a, se- a seventh grader and, and as soon as school ended I was looking forward to watching my older brother play and that that inspired me man uh seeing my older brother um you know almost get there right and and then me being motivated enough to to, to say all right you know I, I want to win a, win the first trophy since 2002 um and then we were able to do so with with a, a good a good team yeah, and, and for those that don't know, um, you know, people talk about Christian being a very versatile player. His brother played goalie and forward in high school, so I think he can say he's the more versatile of the uh, <laughs> of the of the Roldan brothers. But um, we'll talk a little bit about him and his role now later. Um, I gotta say, I my little brother, who also plays on the Sounders, played goalie against San Jose maybe two years ago or a year ago. <laughs> And so I guess I'm the only one that hasn't yeah. played goalie in my family. It's, you know, there could be a time coming up where, <laughs> you know, you, you might have to fill that role um, and, and just fulfill the, the family destiny there. So, 
Um, I like to I like to joke about that, but it's a cool story. Um, so we talk about it's El Rancho High School. Y'all are the Dons. You know, we we focus on mascots and notable alum here. You've got um, you you and your brother both made it, which is cool. I would have loved it if one of you did and the other one didn't. You know, so you could rib them, but um, you're both on there. You scored a ton of goals. Scored a ton of goals, and you had a lot of assists. Um, as you said, you you won some hardware. You were the 2013 Gatorade National Player of the Year. There were a couple other Soccer Times Player of the Year things along those lines. But uh, for those that don't know, that's the uh, that's the top high school player in the country. So that's a very prestigious award. Um, you know, what did that mean to you at the time and, and to your family? Yeah, I told my dad that I would cry if I won that. I didn't end up crying. Uh, I don't think I. I knew how to cry in it during that time, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of notable names on, on that trophy and, and to be on that trophy along with those guys is, is pretty surreal. And, um, you know, the, the fact that I just even, uh, made it out of high school is, you know, and, and went to college, um, and to play college is, is, is special in itself. But, um, I, I barely knew where I was going to go when I won that award. And, you know, that, that speaks a lot about, you know, the quality that we have in Southern California. You know, there's a lot of guys in California that, that can play at a high level and you just got to find the right areas and, and the right people that are motivated enough to, to, to get to the next level. But, you know, winning that was, was really special for sure. And before we go to college, can you tell people who delivered that award to you? Yeah. Lexi Lawless was there, man. And, you know, I was, I was playing soccer with him, uh, you know, and he was actually still really, really good. And I was, I was surprised, honestly, he, he was, he had some quality in him. He, you know, he, he, he was a little bit unfit, I gotta say. Um, and you know, that, that comes with age, but, uh, to this day, it's, it's, it's fun to, to see each other again. That's awesome. I know he's probably a fan of yours because uh, you're tied to him now with that. So um, very cool. Um, you know, and we talked a little bit about you weren't sure where you were going to go. Um, you would just assume a guy that scores 50 goals and has 30 assists and he's winning championships in high school. He's winning championships in club soccer that you would have been pretty heavily recruited. But it's my understanding that 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 wasn't necessarily the case for you. Yeah, there was uh, really only two schools that were interested in me, and that was Cal State Bakersfield um, and and the University of Washington. I actually had committed to Cal State Bakersfield because they were the only school at the time that was interested in me. And, um, you know, I went to Surf Cup and I felt like I did really well. And um, the last game, of, of the group stage when, when all the coaches were leaving, uh, you know, I, I had a really good, like 10 minutes and Jamie Clark, the, the, the coach of the university of Washington just happened to be passing by and he was done with recruiting and went up to the coach that we were playing against and was like, Hey, how's it going? Like, you know, they're, they're really good friends. They're like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, what, what's the game looking like? how you guys doing? And he was just like, this number 11 is killing us. And so he, he watched the rest of the game and it was 10 minutes. And I think I go on this crazy run, get a PK and I, and I score the PK and 
Then Jamie Clark, the, the head coach of the University of Washington, goes over to my mom, not knowing he, uh, that, that she's my mom. And, and he asks, can I get a roster? And my, my mom's like, no, we don't have a roster, but can you just, just watch number 11? Number two, number two is Alex, my brother. And uh, Jamie then says like, hey, you, you should expect a call from us um, within the next day or two. And so that's really the only reason why, you know, I'm, I came to the University of Washington and then ended up, you know, getting drafted by Seattle. So I, those 10, 10 minutes of my life really changed. Hey, they changed everything. It's a good testament, right? You never know who's watching at any moment. You know, you can't take a, I always say, you can't take a playoff at any level because you just never know. But, um, you know, mentioned Jamie Clark. I think he's Bobby Clark's son. Um, uh, Jamie played for the San Jose Clash, I think, for those um, those yeah. old school the old school fans. But uh, that's a throwback. Um, let's talk about college. You come in. I love that uh, you were like, I'm coming in as a freshman and I'm going to be number 10. Um, like you wore the 10 jersey. You owned it. Um, you know, you end up being the, the Soccer America freshman of the year. At this point, I would say it's getting a little obnoxious as to how much you're winning. Um, but regardless, you know, talk to me about, you know, what's your mindset, you know, one year into college, just again, you're balling out, uh, and, and testament to you, a lot of guys don't even get an opportunity to play early on in their career. So not only did you play, you played well, what are you thinking at, at this point? Yeah. Freshman year's over. Um, I had a good freshman year, uh, one Pac-12 freshman of the year over Jordan Morris. Uh, so that's something that I quick, hold dear to my heart. Quick to point that out. I wasn't oh, going to say anything, but. Any interview, I will say it so that <laughs> Jordan hears this. Um, it's the only thing I have over him. Um, but no, in all seriousness, after freshman year, you know, I actually did get a contract offer from, from MLS and Generation Adidas. Uh, decided to go back to school. You know, I wasn't ready for it. And then I decided to come back for my sophomore year, hoping that I have a, a, a stronger year. And, you know, to be fair, I, you know, I didn't, you know, I, and, and I felt like that was a lot of, a lot of pressure on me, you know, kind of getting that contract offer and then, you know, not feeling like I was, um, you know, peaking and, and, and getting better, uh, which, which, you know, I just felt like the, the stats weren't, weren't there uh, my sophomore year, but uh, in the end, after that year, I felt like I was a better player. And, and then I decided to take the next offer that, that MLS hold on, gave hold on. Before we get into MLS, we got other stuff to talk about. Um, your coach tells a really cool story about, uh, well, first of all, y'all want a Pac-12 title while you were there. That's important. Uh, another, you know, when I say obnoxious winning, that's one of the things I'm talking about. Um, there was a really cool story about the NCAA tournament and penalty kicks. Um, really, it was that you, I think you went, second or you didn't go first in the first round and I think you missed the penalty um would you say that was like at the time the most nervous you'd ever been uh taking a penalty or were, were you pretty confident at that point like you were gonna make it no I was pretty nervous yeah it, it was a it was a moment where I was like uh you know everybody's behind the goal you know in college is a big moment right NCAA tourney uh you know I hit it wide and I think, to be honest, I think we missed the first three PKs and Spencer Ritchie, our, our, 
our goalie who actually played here in Seattle uh, ends up, you know, blocking like the last three. And I think we, we go through to, to sudden death PKs. Um, I think it went like know, nine, at, I think it went like nine two, rounds. Two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at two, two. And then we, we end up going to like nine rounds. Like you said, uh, Spencer Ritchie takes the PK as well. And uh, um, actually we, I think we go all the way around and we went back to like our first kicker, if I'm not mistaken, but anyway, we end up winning that game and then we go to PKs the next round. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just missed my PK. I shot left and I make a decision to change as I'm running up to the ball. I'm like, I missed left. I'm going to shoot right as I'm running up. And, you know, I didn't hit a great PK, but it went in. Well, well, your, your coach said that you actually asked to go first. Is that I asked to go ever... first the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought that was really cool. I, it reminded me of like, uh, for these old school people, like there's a movie called the replacements with, uh, Shane Falco or, and the coach in the movie, I think is, uh, Dean Hackman. And he says, winners want the ball. So <laughs> I, I, I like saw that story and I was like, winners want the ball. Christian's a winner. He wants the ball. Um, he wants to go first and maybe it sounds like you're making it sound like you just wanted to get it out of the way. Um, but in a way, in a way I wanted to get it out of the way, but I felt like I would feel, uh, less pressure if I went first because I just told myself like look you go up there and you score and if you score this you're going to put you're going to set your team up basically because it, it, it really you know every PK kind of helps the other PK shooter so in that sense I was like for sure if if I can put this in the back of the net I'm going to help the team so uh a little bit of both taking the pressure off off me a little bit as well as trying to help the team by uh, starting it in the right way. Okay. Well, um, I know, I know that there's some stuff, it, it's a little harder to find and I'm, I don't want to, uh, miss say it, but I know you, you had a, a youth national team experience, uh, when you were younger, I don't think you ever really got, a, got any matches with them. Um, and then I know tab, I believe brought you in to the twenties the at some point, and this might be beyond where we're at now, but, um, what were, what were your early memories of U.S. men's national team stuff or U.S. youth national team? Because it's pretty important considering you have, you're going to find yourself with offers to represent Guatemala and El Salvador um, at some point. You know, you did have some experience early on with the U.S. youth, right? Yeah, I had a camp in college. Um, it was a lot of the college players, a couple of the professionals. Uh, that were already professional at that at that point um, and at this time there weren't like a, a ton like we see today um, and, and so that was my first experience but you know looking up to a lot of those guys and seeing a lot of those guys and, and playing against them was was playing against them now is pretty cool uh, but it was a great experience for me um, I learned a lot you know I felt like the speed of play was a little bit faster you know guys were more athletic uh, so I think that was, that was something that, that I took away from, from the, from the game for sure. When I went and did it put the idea in your head that you were, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get an opportunity at some point to play for the, the full team. Not really, to be honest. <laughs> okay. okay. I still felt like that was really far away. And, uh, I felt like a lot of things had to go right for me to, uh, you know, find myself in, in a national team camp. I mean, when, when you leave 
uh, you know, the, the youth level, you know, and, and you see the broader and, and, and how, how much bigger the scale is when, when people become pros uh, is, is pretty crazy. And, and players get lost, uh, you know, with, with just not playing, you know, and, and, and that was something that, that I was, I was worried about, um, you know, and, and to be honest, at this point, I think it was after my freshman year, uh, I didn't even think if I was going to, you know, you know, I thought I was going to get maybe drafted or, or play professionally, but I didn't think I was even going to, you know, see the field. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about, you know, when you're in Washington, you, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, you know, Seattle does a great job of bringing in guys, local guys in. And you talked about Spencer Ritchie. There's a lot of the guys that on that, on those two years that the Washington roster that I recognize their names, um, you know, because they, a lot of them either got some, some, some run with Seattle or some other team. Um, but you also played PDL, which I thought was interesting. I think it's interesting because you don't necessarily see a lot of guys do PDL in a city where they also have the ability to go train with the professional team, especially now. But at the time it was the Crossfire Redmen, I think was the name of the team. Um, did you really spend a lot of time with them or was it more, uh, at what point did you start training with, with Seattle? Yeah, well, I, I played for Crossfire after my high school season and before my college season. Okay. I felt like that was kind of a good step for me to to play against older players and transition to the University of Washington. Um, and then the next year, from freshman to sophomore year, I did play a couple uh, a couple games with Crossfire as well, uh, along with training with Seattle. So that was really the time between freshman and sophomore year where I was able to get experience uh, and, and Seattle would call me to, to uh, you know, get more guys uh, into trainings. And I believe this was during the World Cup uh, or right before the World Cup. So, you know, where, where they have a lot of those guys missing. So uh, that was a great experience. Um, and I think it's the reason why uh, they, they elected to, to pick me up. Yeah. And what do you, what do you remember, you know, as a young guy coming in, you know, the, the, every Seattle roster in the last 10 years is pretty impressive, but uh, especially, you know, I don't know, I can't say especially because the last couple of years have just been incredible. Um, but, you know, there's some Hall of Famers in the past that were on that team when you came in. There's like some local legends, um, meaning they're not necessarily going to make the Hall of Fame, but they're, if there was a Seattle Hall of Fame, they're going to be in that one. Um, what do you remember as a young college kid coming in and, 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 learning you know at a at such a young age from all those veterans yeah it was a good mix and we they had you know americans they had uh players that played in world cups you know gonzalo pineda uh they they have you know they had oba femi martins i mean clint dempsey uh marco papa at the time i mean they had a they had a stacked roster and uh i remember clearly um, you know, one of my first practices, I actually ran into Clint uh, Dempsey before World Cup. Like I fouled him and I felt really bad and I was really worried that he was going to, you know, I, I, I might not get invited back. Uh, and so that, that's a funny story. And, and, you know, to all the young kids out there that, that listen to this, do not, if you get invited, do not foul. 
do not stay on your feet, please. Make an impact, but don't do anything rash. Well, my first practice as a trialist uh, with DC United, I kicked Jaime Moreno in the head and knocked him out. And uh, I thought I were going to send me home, but Peter Novak was my coach and he was crazy and he loved it. So he loved it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I, I didn't mean to do it, but uh, it turns out he, he liked the physicality. Um, so you, you mentioned you accepted a generation Adidas contract. Um, that had to be exciting for you, had to be exciting for your family. Uh, I, I follow the draft. So I remember you were, you know, you were being talked about, um, you know, you were arguably going to go like top three. Really, I thought, you know, I think everyone thought you were going to go number two. Um, for those that aren't aware, you fell all the way to 16. I think Seattle actually made some moves. They traded around to get you there, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, just talk to me a little bit about the draft experience and, you know, what were your emotions, you know, one, going into it and two, kind of falling down, uh, down to where you didn't necessarily think you were going to go. Yeah, I didn't have a great draft experience and, you know, not, not a lot of people do. Uh, because it, it is such an interesting thing. Um, you know, you, you get invited and then you, you, you're, you, you basically play four games um, with players that you've never played with. And, you know, I happened to be on the losing side of all four of those games. And I remember getting our butts kicked like three, four, zero in every game. And, you know, it was, it wasn't great. And I remember, um, Schmetzer, uh, Brian Schmetzer, you know, we just happened to be in the elevator together. He goes, Hey, uh, can you do me a favor and just, uh, not do well here? Because we want you to drop, uh, we want you to drop. Uh, he was joking, obviously. Um, and to this day we have, uh, funny conversations about it, but, uh, it worked out, man. It worked out because I went to a really good team where I was able to learn a lot, but, uh, the draft experience wasn't the greatest for me. <laughs> Yeah, well, it still worked out for you, um, you know, and, and for those that don't know, uh, Ziggy was still the uh, the coach at the time. Uh, Schmetzer was there, but, um, you know, tons of big names in Seattle. I know you were – I've seen a, a story where you were saying every time you got – you kept getting overlooked, um, you were thinking, oh, wow, you know, if you go later in the draft, you end up playing for a better team. So on one hand – um, it's a great thing. On the other hand, you're taken to a team where you have Gonzalo Pineda and you have Ozzy Alonso. You kind of have some, some field generals in that role. Um, you know, what, what were your initial expectations? Was it just, all right, I'm, I have to go in now and make the team? Or, I mean, I know you know you had a contract with, with MLS, but it's very different going to a, a you know, I think Kyle Aaron ended up at Orlando and you knew he was probably going to make the team because of the first pick, whereas you come in at, at 16 and it's like, oh man, this is a pretty well-oiled machine here. Yeah. I think my first thought was how can I get into the 18, you know? And, and I think I, that's the mindset I had. Um, and they weren't really expectations. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect to make the 18 as much as I did um, and play as much as I did, but you know, that, that was more of the mindset that I had going into preseason, you know, and I, and I try to show that because the draft was, you know, I think it was like, I don't know, January 4th and Schmetzer texted me that night. He said, 
you know, are you going to be in January 5th? And I said, absolutely. Like if, you know, and I, and, and that's why I think, you know, in the end, if you, if you show as a, as a young kid, you show that you can, that, that you want to work hard you know, it's going to help you in the long run. So I think that was, that, that helped me a ton for sure. And I've been pretty vocal on this podcast about certain cities that I think are uh, bucket lists for MLS fans to go see. Um, I'm not shy about saying Seattle was, it's my number one, um, nothing against any of the other cities, but I just think they've got lightning in a bottle there. And, um, you know, I hated playing there, but I loved it. It's the weirdest, it's like the weirdest thing. You know, I remember the ch- the claps and um, it's just, it's like, it gets you ready from the first minute. Cause if you're not, you're going to get walloped. Um, talk a little bit about the, the community there and, and you know, why, why it's so successful and why it's still a hot ticket all these years later. Um, you know, why is Seattle doing it so well? Yeah. Well, I think number one, Seattle's fans, they, they do a really good job supporting their professional teams here. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was really sad to see um, the, the supersonics leave. Uh, and, and I think that kind of helped, the Sounders in a way, because we were kind of, we kind of inherited a lot of those fans. Um, so you feel loved as a player. And so then you want to play your heart for the city. You know, you, you want to play your heart out for the city. And I think that's, that's, we've always talked about how the community and, and, you know, the fans and the players are, are one big uh, team. And, and, and that's why I think that Seattle is so special. And then, you know, obviously it's a, it's a great place and, and people are really smart here and there's, there's definitely something in the water, uh, because of, you know, all the companies that have started here. Uh, so, you know, a combination of a lot of things, but you know, the, the relationship between the fans and the players is something that, that we, we really take to heart. Yeah. It's, it seems like an incredible organization from afar. Um, you know, it's had a ton of success, especially, you know, since you've been there, um, would you say without bringing people into the locker room, uh, would you say that the expectations every year, I know you said you're like, keep saying, I don't really have expectations. All right. But I would say the organization has expectations. Would you say every year the expectation is um, at least you have to win a trophy? I mean, it seems like y'all are competing, um, you know, for MLS cup or open cup, or, you know, this year was CONCACAF every single year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the franchise in itself and then the city of, of Seattle, you know, expectations are always to, to win trophies and, and Sounders specifically, you know, we, we have that mindset, that goal that we, we want to win a trophy every year and what, why can't we? And so, um, you know, our roster is built in that way. And, and we have a lot of guys that are veterans uh, that have done it before. We have a, a really good core that, that we've had for a long time uh and and you know i think that's that's the beauty of of our team you know we 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 will lose guys but but we'll you know have the backbone of the team and and we'll try to fill those voids uh in in other ways so competing for a championship is 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 the goal every year 100 percent. yeah and and depth at every position is a staple when i think of the teams um credit to the the staff and garth and and those people but um 
there's been a ton of stuff, right? There's a ton of stuff on you and Jordan. I would say there's a lot of stuff on you and your, your fellow midfield partners, but I'm a center back. And I don't think, I think you're aware. I don't think other people are, are as aware of the talent that you guys have had at center back. And it, the fact that you're able to lose a guy like Chad Marshall legend and be, uh, you know, should be a hall of famer. Uh, my, one of my favorite guys was Roman Torres. Like, I just, how did he fit into soccer socks? And, and he's just a huge human being, but just to seem like such a lovable guy. And, you know, you, I could go through four or five different guys. I think now Yamar and just the guys that you guys are able to get, um, it's pretty incredible to watch as a center back because it's like these guys would be the best defender on any team they played on and they just keep ending up on Seattle. Um, I have to imagine in your position, you've got to love having some of those beasts uh, behind you throughout your, your career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes, makes our lives easier, right? I mean, as, as players in front of them that play in front of them, you know, we want to be able to, to run forward, not backwards. So those guys are, are, you know, our rocks and they continue to be. And um, you know, we talk about that backbone, right. The, the, the central players are really important uh, for our team. You know, the two center backs, two midfielders, the attacking mid and the forward. And we, we, we feel like those, those spots need to be filled. And we, we, we want guys that are going to be here for, you know, for a while because, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, to create chemistry in, in a league of parity. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think it's awesome. I, I always uh, have to remind people, a guy like yourself, you're like wise beyond your years. It's hard to, you know, people forget you're, you're 27. Um, you know, we, before we go into the U S men's national team, um, I look at you now as what can you control, right? You can't control if you get called in, um, you can't control certain things, but for the parts you can control, um, how would you feel your progression has come? I know you, you kind of implied earlier, you didn't think you were necessarily going to play, but now you're, you know, I'd argue you're a household name in U S soccer, your household name in MLS. Um, how do you feel you progress to where you are and, and where do you see yourself going, going forward? Yeah, I think I've progressed a lot, you know, I think more so on the understanding of, of the sport, the tactical side of things, you know, I'm not the most athletic uh, or the strongest, but being able to, to understand, understand different positions and, and what the coaches are asking of me uh, is, is something that I've, I've developed, you know, I've always had a, a passion of, of watching soccer and uh, enjoying the tactical side of, of things, but um, being able to, to see the, the game in, in a different set of eyes like Greg or Gonzalo, um, you know, Bruce Arena, being able to, to, to see different types of, of, of gameplay is, is something that I, um, that I really enjoyed. And, and I think I've attained a lot of knowledge and, and all that uh, because I was able to, um, you know, play in different systems. So you know, going forward, I, I could definitely see myself coaching, you know, but hopefully that's in like 10 years. And yeah. I yeah. I think, I think you'll do 10. That's a good number, man. 37 <laughs> could be the, should be the goal. 38. Let's do it. 38. Um, you talked about some of the coaches there were national team coaches. Before we talk about the U S men's national team, you had offers to go play um, in, in Central America where your parents are from. Um, you were, 
you were pretty um, outspoken in that I'm, you know, I haven't made a decision. I'm waiting. Um, can you t- tell the listeners kind of, you know, what what that was like? Did you feel pressure from your your family to go and play for those countries, or did they always just support whatever decision you were going to make? Yeah, I think they were always going to support any decision I would make. Um, but there was definitely, I think, pressure. Um, you know, anybody, anytime you make a big decision like that, there's going to be, you know, uh, uh, pressure from, from both sides or for, in this case, all three sides. Um, but, but I always felt like I wanted to play for the United States men's national team, um, more so because of what the U S gave to my parents. Um, and that's basically a, a, a new life. And, and then being able to come over here and, um, you know, be, become citizens and, and, and really enjoy, um, you know, the United States and, and, and create this family that, uh, and, and the opportunities that, that the United States gave to, to my family. So uh, that was always dear to my heart. And I wanted to give back, you know, in a way to, to the country that gave my family so much. Yeah. And you say dear to your heart. I saw a cool story where you didn't cross your heart until you, you, you played for the, the red, white, and blue and, and put that Jersey on. So that's another um, cool thing. There's a, there's a really cool photo. There's some really cool photos of your family that are out there. Um, you know, I, I know one of them was with your older brother, who's a trainer uh, or in LA at the galaxy. It was one of you guys, uh, you and Alex on the field with him. Uh, there's one with your mom wearing like all the rings that you guys have won over the years, which was pretty cool. Um, but my favorite, and I'm sure it's a lot of people's favorite was, especially Seattle fans, was the photo of you and your brother um, who elected to play for El Salvador um, when you all exchanged jerseys after it was a qualifier, right? It was a pretty important yeah. game um, in San Salvador. Um, you know, how... Well, I always joke and say he played for El Salvador. I hope you call him a mama's boy. Um, but but anyway, I have three older brothers, so I'm allowed to say that. Um, but it had to be a really special moment uh, for you and, and your family. And I'm curious, were they able to um, attend that game or did they just watch it from, from afar? Yeah, my parents were front and center. Um, they were right, right basically behind my bench. Um, and it, yeah, again, a great, great story. Um, you know, Alex shares a similar story to me, uh, in the sense that he, you know, wasn't heavily recruited and to see where he's at now is, is pretty incredible. And, you know, to be, to, to share the field each and every week is special. Um, but to be able to compete in a world cup qualifier is, is something that, you know, you, you, you can't write up and, you know, I would have never believed it if, if you told me that 10 years ago. Um, so being able to trade jerseys like that and feel the El Salvador crowd, like almost bring me in, uh, was, was really cool. And the atmosphere was, was amazing. So, um, that was a cherry on top of everything. Yeah. And, and not to, you know, I don't want to diminish, you know, we're moving through your story kind of quickly because there's so many elements to it. Um, you know, you won trophies at, um, with Seattle, you, you, you won MLS cups, um, for the U S you know, you've played over 30 games, you've played in 
World Cup qualifiers, which I know that's the a lot of guys, that's the the goal, right, is to get ready and, and try to be there for the World Cup. We're pulling for you, recover and, and be a part of that. Um, but you also won two gold cups with the U.S., which is, uh, you know, winning one is awesome. Winning two is even cooler. So I don't want to diminish those and, and not focus on those. But I do want to talk about the things that I think the listeners, uh, parts that they maybe don't know about you. And one of those was last year, I was actually with you when you were filming some stuff for a video game, talking about doing takes and all that. Um, but you were the captain of the all-star team in Los Angeles uh, to take on the league MX stars. Um, that had to be pretty surreal for you, not only because it was in LA and it's an all-star game, but you're the captain of a team that has all the best players from both leagues uh, participating in it. And it's in your hometown, which had to be even cooler. I mean, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it meant the world to me. Obviously, the way you put it, you can't write it up any better. Um, and, and the way things have fallen into place have, have, has been pretty incredible. And, you know, I'm really lucky. I, I, there's there's a lot of hard work behind it, but I'm also very, very fortunate. And, you know, sometimes you you, you have to, you know, just take those and, and appreciate it. But, you know, that was my first all-star um, selection. It was my brother's uh, first all-star. So being, being able to share that moment together was really special, along with obviously being the captain um, in my hometown. I mean, again, you can't write a better story. And, and uh, you know, leading, leading the team in a way uh, – was just just a great and, and fun experience, I think, for all of us. Yeah, and, and then, you know, talking about, um, you know, the the different trophies that you've won, you know, the biggest the biggest thing that was uh, a real highlight of this year, um, you know, we can look at where y'all are at now and, and obviously making a run at this thing, um, you know, to, to make it into the playoffs. But having that trophy at the beginning of the year, it's something that no one else has won. It's got to be a, a huge accomplishment. You know, you'll be the first team to participate in the World Club thing from the from MLS, which is which is going to be another first for you and and the organization and MLS, um, which is awesome. When you look back at all these different things that you've won, um, are there any moments that you know that Christian remembers you know more than any of the other ones, or is it you know are you that typical? I've won, I've won a ton and Tom Brady, the best one's the next one type thing. I mean, what do you remember the most um, of, of the things that you've accomplished so far? I think moments in the game and sometimes you're so locked in that you don't really get to appreciate it until later, until after you've won or you've lost. And, you know, in, in every final, I think there's been, you know, a, a moment and, you know, for 2016, it was Steph's save. Uh, 2017 was uh, the heartbreak of losing, you know, 3-0 and not being able to, to help the team in the last or 2-0 and, and help the team uh, in, in that last goal where, where uh, I think it was Victor Vasquez or Cooper scored, you know, and, and I could go on and on in, in 2019. I remember, I think like the 74th minute, the crowd had all the lights out, you know, in, in the Champions League final. Um, 
Raul celebrating the first school, um, you know, with, with our Academy guys that are 16 years old, like those, all those moments together, I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, you know, those, those things I think are so cool. Like obviously winning trophy trophies, great, but you know, I'm getting the goosebumps right now, just talking about, you know, those specific moments that, that I remember and, and, you know, have close to my heart. Yeah. And, and I would say for those that don't know, uh, if, if you think, Christian seems like a really good guy. I've been around him a lot and he's just so humble. And I would just like to ask, like, I, I would, I want to imagine that you kind of have a room in your house where you could put on like DJ Khaled's all I do is win, win, win. <laughs> and like, just kind of smile and maybe dance a little. Um, you know, it, it seems like you're so humble, but you have, you know, just preparing for this. I, I knew you had won a lot, but I was kind of blown away. Um, it's gotta be pretty cool to, um, to have all that. And I know you're going to attribute a lot of that to your teammates and you have had some incredible teammates over your, you know, I'm assuming from high school and club and all that, but um, you also have to feel a little bit like your, your hard work and your talent has, has really been a contributing factor to a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about the tactical side, right? I think that has made me a, a lot better, um, you know, just understanding the position a lot more. Um, you know, and then you know the the rinse and repeat that that we talked about earlier. You know, the the practicing, the the body um, position, and being able to turn, and you know, all the the technical side for sure. I've gotten a lot better over the years, but I've gotten a lot smarter too. I've understand uh, the game well, and um, you know, recognizing. Um, you know, moments in the game, like in, in the championship, in the, in the, in the um, Champions League, you know, in Puma's 93rd minute, you know, I'm going to get the throw in from, from Alex. And I'm hoping that, you know, I'm about to cross the ball and, I, and, and, you know, the defender hits me and I'm going to stay down in the box so they can't kick a, kick a goal kick. And I, and I want the ref to at least just look at it. You know, those are the little things I think that I've inherited. Just, just made me a, a little bit of a more well-rounded player. That's awesome. Thanks for uh, walking us through that. Um, for, uh, we're going to move to off the field here and then wrap it up. Um, you know, for those that don't follow Christian, he's on all social media stuff. He's on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can follow him there. See, see his dog, uh, some photos of his dog, see him golfing some of the cool things that he's involved with and you are involved with a lot of very cool things you have a ton of endorsements um i know you threw out a first pitch this year which is pretty cool i always wanted to do that never got an opportunity um you've been featured in video games and promotional videos and you've got it you know like i said different deals with different things but the stuff that i want to talk about is some of the initiatives that you support you've been a very vocal supporter of uh, of the women's game um and women's teams uh, i know you've done stuff with different types of uh, diseases, children's cancer, and other various causes like the We Are All Sounder, supporting social justice, uh, along with working with like the economic allyship uh, type programs. Um, you know, as a guy that we talked about how important that community is, um, but you've shown that you're philanthropic with your time and your resources, you know, back in LA and, and, and in Seattle. Um, you know, why do you feel that that's important for you to, to give back because you seem to really have embraced that role. Yeah, I think uh, 
being a well-rounded human being is just as important as being a, a soccer player. And we don't realize how much of an impact we can actually make um, until you get out there. And, you know, little things like, uh, have, you know, going to a, a camp and saying hi to a kid can, can really change the way they look at the sport, the way they want to pursue being a professional soccer player or another field you know, just have a good mentality. So I think, um, you know, I, and I think this was probably one of my favorite moments was, you know, connecting with uh, a kid named Barb who actually passed away um, my, my rookie season. And, you know, he was my age, you know, he was 19 and he was at Seattle children's, you know, dealing with cancer and, it, it kind of made me reflect and, and made me think, man, I'm in a really good position in life. And, you know, I think, you know, off the field, we can be doing so much more as athletes um, to, to help, you know, one another. And we talk about the community and fans. We don't know what position fans are in, but they support you. So do, do a little, do as much as you can to, to help these guys out because they're paying money to, to come, to come support you. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, is there anything that you want to shine some light on now that, uh, as we wind this thing down? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talked about the, the mini pitch and providing a safe place to play. You know, I, I think it's also important. And I talked, I touched about this, you know, you know, my parents weren't in the, the best financial situation and, you know, pay to play is still a big, big topic you know it, it's tough to to get you know players that aren't in the 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 best circumstances the resources that that they need so you know there's a lot of things that that we can talk about and do and you know I think this is this is something that that we can open our eyes about and and, and try to push push the narrative I agree with that um well, look, I appreciate your time today. You're living, a, a, I, I'd call it the dream life, right? Where you're getting to do cool things, but you're also, uh, you're winning championships and you're competing at the highest level at 27. Uh, I would argue you have such a great career already to be proud of. I'm really excited to see, um, you know, what comes out of it. I wish you good luck in your recovery. I'm, uh, you know, me, like a lot of other uh, fans of MLS and fans of, U.S. men's national team are, are hoping and you're um, available and, and able to join the squad and represent our country later this year. Um, but most of all, I just want to say thanks for, you know, spending some time today and telling your story to the, the podcast listeners and, and sharing your journey in the, in the game of soccer. So um, Christian rolled on everybody. Thanks, Bobby, man. And, and thank you for uh, letting me tell my story because, um, you know, people don't really understand the, the, person side of of a player you know so i appreciate it all right man thank you thank you for listening to play by players visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts this has been a production of the mlspa learn more at mlsplayers.org